Greetings, Zoe. Welcome again to a wonderful Sunday morning. I want to thank the band and the praise team again for helping me give that wonderful tribute to my lovely wife. Appreciate all of that. And I, I wanted to say a, a few more things. I mean, I think after 20 years of marriage, I think the thing I appreciate the most about Marcy is that she's godly. And that means one thing on the front end of that relationship, but when you go through life's hills and valleys and you have a godly spouse, it just means everything. And to believe God together, to trust God together, to set a tone for our household and our, set an example for our children, it's just, been, it's just been magnificent. So as a side note, I encourage you out there who are thinking about what God has for you in terms of relationship, make godliness one of those qualities. Make sure that's on your list. And it doesn't have to be approved. It doesn't have to be somebody who's out of touch with reality. But you should seek somebody who loves the Lord. And so I just wanted to say that. But love you, babe. And looking forward to 20, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 more. So, all right. So we're going we're gonna to get into the Word today. I'm going to open up with another word of prayer. And we're going to get right into our, our finishing up our series. We have a few more, a couple more to go with it. But we're going to have a good time today. Father, I thank you for your goodness and your mercy and your grace and your loving kindness and all that you have given to us, Lord. You are the ultimate Christmas gift, and we're looking forward this season, this year, to, to look more intently at to, as to the gift you are to us. I pray that we will hear your word, that the Holy Spirit will help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. One more thing before I get started, I want to put another plug in for next month. We're going to be doing our 21-day fast. Now, this year, we won't be limiting it to the Daniel fast. We're going to give you suggestions for how to fast, but we're going to really leave it up to you to decide how you want to fast because you need to be the one seeking God. If someone is imposing things on you, it'll become more about the restrictions than about Jesus. And the focus for next month is going to be drawing close to Jesus. We're going to be giving more information, but I want to give a, a heads up too. We're going to be using a book called 21 Days of Breakthrough Prayer. More information will be shared on our website. It's a little devotional. Uh, for every day, there's a little devotional there that helps us to pray. There's also some audio recordings that you can go online, about two to three minutes to help us in our time. One of the things we're going to be asking people to do is for 21 days, have a scheduled time with God. Many of us play already. Some of us have a scheduled time, but many of us, the way we pray, we'll, we'll, we'll pray, but it's not a scheduled time. And the purpose of it is to create some intentionality. Uh, so, and we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna ask that people commit 30 minutes a day for 21 days time with God. You can spend that time in prayer. You can spend that time in the Word. We're getting a devotional. You can go on a prayer walk. But we're gonna be seeking God together. And we're also going to be focusing on the book of Ephesians. We're going to be doing a teaching series on the book of Ephesians starting in January. And we're going to be asking you that during the month of January to read the book of Ephesians over and over again. And it's going to set a tone for helping us to open up, as I was praying, our Christmas gift, which is Jesus Christ. With that said, I'm going to get into the message here. As you know, we've, we've had a long series of divine healing in the age of corona. And my series are so long because I like to uh, lay a foundation uh, particularly with this subject of healing, because many of us know it uh, when we hear uh, preachers, quote-unquote prosperity preachers or word of faith preachers, we hear the catchphrases, we hear the slogans, we hear see people on TV, but we don't know the root behind the concept. I've grown up, as I've said many times, in, a, in an environment where, uh, where I, I'm around people that are part of word of faith, and I grew up as a, as a child. And for people who live this way and are serious about God and see God's blessings, it's a way of life. It's not something they try to do in an emergency only. 
Uh, it's the way they lived. I live my life resisting sickness and disease spiritually. As a child, uh, when we, we got sick, we would, we would take medicine, we would go to the doctor, but my parents, and especially my father, he'd lay hands on us, and he'd rebuke the sickness and disease, and that was a way of life. When we were attacked with sickness and disease, it was a matter of course of responding that particular way. And just like you can take natural medicine, you can take spiritual medicine. And we're going to talk about that today in our message. And I'm really excited because a lot of the things we've been talking about are coming together. We've started in the Old Testament and we're getting to the New. We're actually going to get to the woman with the issue of blood today. I'm really excited. I've been talking about that and I'm looking forward to it. So for some review, last week we continued to build a foundation for a belief in divine healing. This series, as you know, has two objectives. The first is to demonstrate that developing faith for divine healing is biblical, practical, and beneficial. Really important there. People have to know that it's worth the effort. So many people, uh, when they're ill, Christians, they'll say, ah, yeah, you don't have to do all that. I'm not going to go through all that. It's a benefit to you to believe God for healing because God is a healer. And we tend, people tend to interpret sickness as God has some great purpose for it, trying to teach you something, uh, as opposed to thinking of it as a tool of the enemy to, to, to dismiss our purpose and to move us away from God, what God wants us to do. We'll get into that on another series, but Satan definitely does work through sickness and disease. The second purpose is to foster reasonable expectations emphasis on reasonable, to foster reasonable expectations for divine intervention in the healing and recovery of your physical body. Not only can you pray to be healed, but you can also expect to be healed. The expectation is immense, and we've been comparing it to basketball, people who play basketball. You you know, Steph Curry knows every shot he shoots is not going to go in, but every one he shoots in, he expects to go in. He goes in with that expectation. And when you go in with the expectation, you get different kind of results than praying and just as if it's an email sent to God and you CC God and you BCC God if he, if he gets a chance. But we can go with expectation. We don't have to think that we're not worthy, that, you know, that we're too small on God's circle of importance, that, that he wouldn't think about caring about us and thinking about our healing. We can expect healing. Let's continue here. So the big idea here is receiving divine healing has everything to do with seeing Jesus clearly. Seeing Jesus clearly. And then we talked about four things related to that. So the first thing we said, we, we look intently at the Word to see Jesus. Let me stop here for a second. We looked at many examples. In fact, we looked at Jesus himself after he was resurrected, speaking to his disciples, and they had doubts about his resurrection, and he was physically there. Right? And so it was very interesting that to remedy their unbelief, what did he do? He took them to the written word. The living word wants us to see who he is through the written word. And there were people who lived with Jesus, people who watched his miracles and yet did not believe because they did not believe him according to what the scripture has said. In John chapter 7, Jesus, he, in, in the middle of the feast, he grows up and he says, he that believes on me as the scripture has said, we have to have a scriptural perspective on Jesus. So we look intently at the word to see Jesus. Number two, we look intently at Jesus to see who God is. Jesus is, uh, we see God through Jesus. Jesus, and many times in the book of John, he talks about if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, right? He is our vision of God. 
the, the second, uh, the third thing here is when we look intently at God through the Word, we see a healer. There's no way you can look at Scripture from cover to cover and not see God as a healer. Healing is His name. He calls Himself Jehovah Rapha in Exodus. And Jesus is the reflection of everything God has been revealed to be. So how are you going to call God Jehovah Rapha and not expect Him to be a healer? How is His name going to be healing? And But we don't expect Him to be a healer. That doesn't make sense. We can come to him with expectation because healer is who he is. Let's continue. The fourth point we talked about is once we see God as a healer, we can have faith to be healed. Faith to be healed is not difficult once we see God as a healer through Jesus, through the Word. And that word part is really important. So here's the key insight we grabbed from the last couple of weeks. That key insight is we can cultivate faith in Jesus from the Scripture. We can cultivate faith in Jesus from the Scripture. Scripture. We're going to be reading about the woman with the issue of blood, and it's going to be mentioning that Jesus is going to say, your faith made you whole. Faith is not this mysterious thing. Its, it's, it's source is Jesus. Because Hebrews says that Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. But we see Jesus through the Word. As we're in the Word, we see Jesus and we develop faith, okay? So it's not a mysterious thing. It's not a mysterious thing at all. In fact, we're going to go back to Deuteronomy where we were looking last week, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, and we were talking about how in the Old Testament, God commanded the, the, the Jewish folks to meditate on the Word day and night. In fact, let's, let's look at this, Deuteronomy 6 and 4. Actually, we're going to read 6 through 9, uh, 4 through 9 here, okay? It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might, Okay? We're going to, so we're going to love, this is our goal, to love the Lord. And a New Testament believer, when we see Lord, we, we should think Jesus. We, in the New Testament, Jesus is, uh, he, he represents everything we need from God. Verse 6, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You see that part? You got to put the word on your heart, right? So to have, I'm putting this all together. So to, have, to foster this love for Jesus, and I'm going to add another one a belief in Jesus, we got to put the Word of God on our heart. And how do they do that? Verse 7, you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and your gates. They didn't have uh, contemporary media to play an audio over and over again. This is how they did it. They talked about it at breakfast and dinner and when they went to bed and they wrote it on their, on, 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 on their hands and they wrote it on the walls and the signposts so they can be reminded to meditate on the Word day and night. So the goal really is to love the Lord Jesus, okay? And I'm going to correlate, correlate that with the New Testament is that uh, the love of God is tied to faith in God. If you really know and love God, you're going to have faith in Him, right? And then the process of doing that is putting God's Word on our hearts, Putting God's Word on our hearts, it's so critical. It has to be a way of life. It can't just be something you do in an emergency. It can't just be something you do, you know, a few times a year when there's a Christmas production or an Easter production or Father's Day or Mother's Day. That's not going to help you. You got to put it in your heart. But then there's steps. And the steps of that have to do with scriptural meditation. 
And what do the steps of scriptural meditation look like specifically? We talked about that. Reading, talking, listening, pondering, reflecting day and night. <laughs> Reading, talking, listening, pondering, reflecting day and night. It's a lifestyle. Reading, talking, listening, pondering, reflecting day and night. Reading, talking, listening, pondering, reflecting day and night. Reading, talking, listening, pondering, reflecting day and night. It's a lifestyle. It's your habit. It's what you do. And if it's not like that, you won't have the faith to respond to the crises of life. You won't have anything in the tank. And when you don't have anything in the tank, you revert to your whatever your habits are or whatever your state of mind is, which won't be sufficient to respond to the crisis. I've been in many, many a hospital, many a waiting room, many a, a hospital room with people from Zoe, and we're there believing God. And why are we believing God? Because it was a lifestyle, reading, talking, listening, pondering, reflecting day and night. So when we're approached with a crisis, we respond with the word. We respond, we're not moved by the emergency. And folks, this is a day and time. In fact, I've been getting more texts and phone calls about people, you know, corona, going to the hospital, what are we going to do? And your mind starts going. And fear is there. We understand that. We're not dismissing the practical aspect of it. But we want to be prepared that whatever we need to do spiritually, we're stocked up in our hearts about how we respond spiritually to that situation. Let's continue here. So here's the idea. The word that's not in your heart won't help you. The word that's not in your heart won't help you. We've got to put it in our heart. And I've said it before, and I'm looking forward to our fast next month because I'm, I'm looking forward to getting my digital connect, my digital media, social media under control as well to have less of that and more of the word. Less of that and more of the word. And, and during our fast, we're going to be inviting you to do something relative to food and do something relative to media. And it doesn't mean you can't listen to media at all, but we're going to, we're going to, you, you'll be deciding what works for you whether it means to put your phone aside for X amount of hours during the day or certain days of the week, whatever it is, so that we can be more focused on Jesus because what I just talked about, the reading, talking, listening, pondering, reflecting, we do that with our phones and computers, don't we? We already do it. We just don't do it with the Scripture. Now, maybe you have a Bible app or something, and that's fine, right? But it, it, we, we, we are the 24-hour the, the news cycle, the 24-hour social media cycle has our mind and has our attention. So when a crisis happens, we spit out CNN. When a crisis happens, we spit out Facebook. When a crisis happens, we spit out Twitter. As opposed to the living Word of God written. The Bible says that the, the, the Word of God is active and alive and it's powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And so that's what we're going to be doing uh, next month is drawing closer to Jesus through the Word. Let's continue here. So what I, we were saying last week is the Word feeds our spiritual immune system. Resisting sickness requires a healthy physical and spiritual immune system. A healthy physical and spiritual immune system. And I'm not just, I mean, the focus is on healing here, 
But really, any kind of thing that comes your way, whether it affecting your safety uh, in another way uh, relative to provision or ways in which the enemy will come against us, we know the enemy, his job is to kill, steal, and destroy. And he seeks who he may devour. He's looking for the people that he can exploit. And when the enemy comes and tries to attack We've got to have our immune system. It's just like our physical immune system. The germs and things are out there. Even with corona, you're in a much better shape if you have a healthy immune system than if you don't. So you want to strengthen your immune system in the natural. Take your vitamin D, vitamin C, whatever it is, but take your vitamin W, the Word of God. The Word of God. Take your tablets. And some of us are so diligent. I mean, we got a pill for every day of the week, don't we? We got, we got our Monday, too, and we, we're strict with it. Don't mess up our, don't mess up our, our regimen. Some of us, some of you dealing with uh, conditions where you have to take certain medicines and things of that nature, you're faithful to that. The doctor said you got to take it. If you miss one, you're going to get dizzy or whatever it is, so you're faithful with it. we got to be the same way with the Word, though. See, don't do that and then not do the spiritual things. You know, uh, Paul told Timothy, he said, a, a, a bodily exercise, it profits a little, <laughs> It profits a little. We can get the little that it offers, but godliness has more value. Let's invest in that. So when we meditate on the Word day and night, we are taking daily doses of Jesus, our supernatural multivitamin. It's vital. So let's get into this. So we can accomplish the supernatural by adopting the same faith that our spiritual ancestors did. That was what all the foundation was for the last few weeks, about looking at the Old Testament, seeing how they walked by faith, how they saw Jesus from a distance, and how they were models for us in the New Testament to, since we see Jesus uh, closer than they did, that we can also do supernatural things. Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 2, it says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight, and sin, which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Verse 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Let me say that again. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. You don't have to worry about not having enough faith because Jesus is the source of it. Look to him. When you feel like your faith is weak, look to Jesus. And where are you going to find him? The Word. <laughs> the Word. <laughs> Your faith, you feel like your faith is low, go to the Word. You, you, your faith will be cultivated because the Word gives us a picture of Jesus. We should be looking at Jesus. And so there'll be other things that'll be in front of our eyes because we live in this life, but our spiritual eyes should be focused on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So our faith is in good hands because Jesus is the one perfecting it. So don't think that you don't have the faith to believe God for healing because Jesus said all you need is a mustard seed faith. You just need a little bit. You just need a little bit. You just have to be faithful with the faith you have. It's not quantity of faith. It's persistence of faith. And we won't have time to get into stories, into stories this series, and, and another healing series I'm going to do, we'll talk about more stories, but the people that, I, that get to the finish line with this, they're persistent. They're persistent. They're not moved. They're not crazy. They don't do, you know, crazy things and ignore reality, 
uh, but they're persistent with their faith. They, they don't stop believing God because of a doctor's report or because of what the, the, what the, what the, what the vital signs show, whatever it is. They continue to believe God. You need to get yourself around people who've been through experiences like that. That's one way to cultivate your faith, to be honest with you, is to be around people who've been through battles. They've been through battles. They're not moved. I mean, they, I mean you talk to them. Uh, uh, they, they, you talk to them about their situation, they're not moved at all. And they, they, you find those people, they're in a bad situation, and they're more encouraged than you. <laughs> you encourage after talking to them because of how filled with faith they are. Not because they're special, but because they're in the Word, talking, reflecting, pondering day and night, day and night, day and night. And that's the, the written word. You know, you've got audios and all kinds of technology where you can hear the written word over and over again. You can hear people expound on the word through preaching. And as I said before, there was a time, you know, we have digital media now where people can get stuff for free on YouTube or whatever. So I don't know if we appreciate it as much, but people used to stand in line, pay for audios after church, listen to it two, three times a week and come back. Those, that's the kind of commitment people made because they were hungry for the Word and they were building up their faith and they were seeing Jesus in the Word and building up their faith. Let's continue. Verse 2 of Hebrews 12, 2 says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Glory to God. Okay? We have a privilege that our spiritual ancestors did not the capacity to go to Jesus directly and boldly when faced with problems that require supernatural intervention. We have access to him. It's amazing to me people who say that healing stopped when the last apostle died. Okay, I get that apostles were anointed and one of the signs of an apostle was signs and wonders and all that other kind of stuff, but we still got access to Jesus. Did Jesus pass away? Is, is he still Jesus? It, I mean, if he's still Jesus, he's still everything that God is, which is also a healer. So I, can't, I can still go to Jesus. It tells us in Hebrews, it says Hebrews 4, 15 through 16, it says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. He knows pain. He knows, that, he knows what it means for your body to make you feel terrible. He knows what that means but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Verse 16, this is the great part. Let us then with confidence, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Well, if sickness is not a time of need, what is it? I mean, how are you going to X out sick? Well, you can come to Jesus for everything but sickness. He said, confidently, some versions say boldly, for grace and mercy in time of need, which includes sickness. Now, what we're going to do today is we're going to draw a parallel between that and the woman with the issue of blood. Okay? The faith of Old Testament saints puts the woman with the issue of blood in context. When we look to Jesus uninhibited, we won't be able to avoid seeing him as a healer. Here's the key. What the woman with the issue of blood did physically, we do spiritually. What the woman with the issue of blood did physically, we do spiritually. We touch Jesus through Scripture. 
We touch Jesus through Scripture. I already told you there were folks who lived with him, watched him do the miracles. He was resurrected, and they still doubted. That wasn't it. They didn't believe the written word about Jesus. And that was the key. Now, let's look at this woman here. Mark chapter 5, verse 25 through 34. This is a, an interesting story. It's, it's sandwiched between another appeal to Jesus for healing. So we're going to start off there, and we're going to get into our story here. It says, And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him. He had already healed the man with legions of demons, and he had left, and then he came back. And so the reports of him had grown because of that. And he was beside the sea. Verse 22, Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus, by name. And seeing him, he fell at his feet. Now, understand the significance of, uh, significance of this. You know, the, the synagogue folks, the, the rulers of the synagogue, they were generally uh, not for Jesus. They challenged him. And so uh, I, I'm sure for him to fall at his feet and ask Jesus to heal his daughter, this was incredibly, uh, this was a humbling experience for him. In verse 23, and implored him earnestly saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. So think about this. So he gets off the boat. The, the synagogue ruler sees him, goes straight to him, right? Probably has an assumed level of importance because how does he get in, the, how does he get in line first, right? How's he straight there, right? So he's there, but he's also like humble because his, his daughter's about to die. And the other Pharisees not going to help him. The other rulers of the synagogue is not going to help him. He knows Jesus can. So he goes there and he's moving and it says, and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. Imagine this, all these people about him, touching him, moving. I mean, Jesus was it. He was a celebrity, okay? And he was just, and, and, they, and, and they were going to this man's house. Okay, verse 25, and there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. Let's stop there. I, I don't even, I can't even imagine that. 12 years? Now, you know, maybe they had medicine and things that we don't know about. But think about there's no contemporary medicine we know about. This woman was bleeding for 12 years. What was she, how, did she, how did she navigate life with that situation? Think about the ways in which she had to reorganize the way she lived her life, bleeding for 12 years, the embarrassment, the, the, and there were laws against her being out in public. And it, it was just, it, it was terrible. Verse 26, check this out. And who had suffered much under many physicians? Under many physicians. Okay, so, so she kept going to a doctor and they couldn't help her. And that's so interesting because we'll applaud that. You know, you keep going. You're going to beat this thing. You keep going to the next doctor. And that's fine. But we don't applaud people who continue to believe God. Now, she's been doing that for years. But we'll look at somebody who's been believing God for years with no result, and we will ridicule them. But yet this woman, she was consistent going to doctors because she, she had to find a solution. And I don't know if they took advantage of her or if they really couldn't cure her. But for 12 years she was doing this, and not only did she, was she sick, but she, she had spent all she had. That's how desperate she was. She wasn't trying to save something for a rainy day. It's like, look. 
What's my life? Is my life even worth living if I can't be healed? So she spent all she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. That, that's the, that's, that, isn't that terrible? So not only, was it, it, not only did they not help her, but as she was going to the doctor, she kept getting sicker. There was some movie or cartoon I was watching, and, and, and I'm trying to recall the name of it, but one of it was uh, there was something you had, and it was called subtraction, subtraction soup. Every time you uh, drank the soup, you got hungrier and hungrier. That's her situation. Every time she went to get healed by the doctor, she got sicker and sicker. But verse 27, she had heard the reports about Jesus. She had heard the reports about Jesus. Now, I don't know, you know, whether this is the case or not, but we read in Deuteronomy about how the tradition was you had to read the law, you know, day and night. I don't know if she was raised in a family where they did that or not, but my guess, and I don't, it's not in the Scripture, so I can't say it's there explicitly, but why did this woman have faith and other people don't? I wonder if she registered the reports of Jesus with what she knew about the Messiah through the Scripture. And if together she had the faith to be healed. And that she was so committed that look what she does next. And came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. Now, she wasn't Jairus. She couldn't just, she wasn't, didn't have an official position. She couldn't just walk up to him and, and say, hey, heal my daughter. She had, she had to sneak up on Jesus. She wasn't even trying to let Jesus see her. She was going to touch his garment and scoop. Now, let me ask you something. Who told her she can do that? Where have you seen in the Old Testament of the Scripture, if you touch someone's garment, you're going to be healed? She got it from somewhere. What I believe is she had a revelation of Jesus that's tied to the Word. Now, is it in there? No. But something compelled her to do that, right? And, and then she said, verse 20, for she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And so she didn't even touch his skin. She touched his clothes. Folks, there's a you factor involved in our healing much of the time. There is a you factor. Nobody told her to do that. It didn't say the Holy Spirit told her. It didn't say God revealed it to her. She, what does it say? For she said, for she said, for she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made whole. Now, you can't just say that because you heard somebody else say that. You got to say that out of a revelation of who Jesus is. It's because she had a revelation of who Jesus is. She said, that's Jehovah Rapha walking down the street. That's his name. All I got to do is touch him. That's Jehovah Rapha. It says it in Exodus. It says it in Deuteronomy that there's going to be a prophet that's going to come. And Moses said, we got to listen to him. That's him. That's him. She can see it in the Scriptures. I'm assuming that because she's so clear that if she touches his garment, she'll be made whole. And she's got to risk public disgrace. She's got to risk people taking her out. She was supposed to quarantine. I'm not trying to make statements about corona. I'm just saying what was happening here. 
There were all these restrictions. There's so much she's risking. But she says, Jesus is in the room. That changes all my possibilities. But Jesus is in the room. It changes my outlook on life. People say, don't get your hopes up praying for things. Get your hopes up when Jesus is in the room. When Jesus is there, I'm getting my hopes up. Peter saw Jesus walk on the water. water. He said, let me walk too. Let me walk too. But it's when we see Jesus clearly. So check this out. Verse 29, and immediately, immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately. Immediately. You know, I, I've, uh, I grew up listening to Reverend Kenneth Hagin, and he has a lot of stories about healing. And he'll talk about how he'll, he'll do these healing crusades, and, you know, the gifts of the Spirit would operate through his ministry, but he said that he'll get some people, and they'll come up to the healing line, and nothing will happen. And it, I mean, that happens, of course. And, and then he'll tell him, he said, look, I'm going to be here for several weeks. You just sit in this meeting for the next several weeks. Don't come up. But after you've had a chance to sit with the Word or listen to this tape or whatever it is, then come up. Right? Because you've had a chance to sit with the Word. And then what he'll say is, and that same person would come up, and he said it would be like a shot of electricity coming through his hands because, whoo, they are ready. Because they had to see that. Brother Hagin wasn't the healer, Jesus is. And that faith for Jesus cultivated in the Word made the difference here. But let's continue. So verse 29, and immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Verse 30, and Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? Woo-wee. Jesus didn't know who touched him. Jesus didn't know who touched him. You know what that means? Jesus didn't decide to heal her. Jesus did not decide to heal her. Clearly, he didn't even know that she touched him. He was about to go heal Jairus' daughter. His mind was on something else. And here this woman comes, touch, doesn't even touch his skin. But he knows power came out. He didn't decide. So what did Jesus automatically know? Verse 31, and his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you, and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling. Again, she couldn't be out and about like Jairus. She was afraid because, oh, am I going to get in trouble, right? And fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And here's the key, folks. This is the verse I read over and over again, over and over and over again. And he said to her, daughter, that daughter is important. She's a daughter of Abraham. It's not, it's not Jesus' daughter, literally, right? It's, she's a daughter of Abraham, so he's uh, alluding to the fact that she has, uh, that this is uh, something that is, is, is her inheritance as a daughter of Abraham. He says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. You see that? Your faith. Doesn't say Jesus' faith. Wasn't Matthew, Mark, it wasn't Matthew's faith or Judas' faith 
or, 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 or anybody faith that was around uh, Jesus. It was her faith. There are healings that work by the gifts of the Spirit as God wills, but you don't know when that's going to happen. But let me tell you, Jesus hasn't passed away. Has faith passed away? So if Jesus is still here and faith is still here, why aren't we, why, why aren't we, why aren't we diligently pursuing Jesus? Most people aren't going to have the privilege to walk, wouldn't have the privilege to walk around with Jesus physically, to go physically up to him and touch his garment. If that was the case, if that was necessary, he would have stayed, went up to heaven and came back down so everybody can be healed that way. But how do we trust Jesus in the New Testament? The Word. Just as that woman pressed through the crowd, and, and it, we, we, we got to press into the Word, I'm telling you. And, it, and you'll get the same resistance because you're going to get reports about, I'm telling you, the news, every time you turn on the news, it's X amount of people got COVID, this person going to the hospital, people you know going to the hospital, all that kind of stuff is going to be in our ears. What's going to be our response? I, I'm not going to finish with Jairus, but I got to say this next part here because look, right after, so, he's, so, so while he was talking to the, to the woman with the issue of blood, what happens? While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Verse 36, but overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. You're going to get the reports? Do not fear, only believe. But you won't do that unless you're in the Word. It's just not going to happen. It's going to be wishful thinking. The Word changes our perspective, and we're going to continue with the rest next week. God is so good. I, I, I want to challenge you this morning. If you're listening and you've not had an encounter with the Jesus of Scripture, I, I know that people go to church, and I know that people participate in Christian activities, but that doesn't mean you've had an encounter with Jesus. We talked about in this sermon that people can be around Jesus but not really know him or not really know him through the Scripture. And I want to make an appeal to you today that you have an opportunity to know Jesus yourself. Some of you, you've never known Jesus personally. Though you've been around Christian community, though you've been maybe perhaps raised in a Christian home, you kind of went through the motions and never actually became a Christian. Others of you, maybe you're standing here and you weren't even involved in a Christian community. You're just not a Christian. But today, you've been moved by what we've talked about, and you, you're sensing in your heart that God is talking to you and drawing him to yourself. And if that's the case, I want to pray with you. I want to give you an opportunity today to come to Jesus. And it's really very simple. You just need to open up your heart, and I have a prayer I want to pray with you. Actually, I'd like you to repeat after me. And if that's you, you want to draw closer to Jesus as, either as this is the first time you're doing it or the first time you're doing it and meaning it, uh, repeat after me, please. Dear God, I come to you. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, that he shed his blood, and that when Jesus died, he buried my sins. And when he was resurrected, he made it possible for me to live a righteous life. I believe in you, Jesus. I surrender to you as my Lord and my master. 
thank you, God, for saving me. And Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit that I may live a righteous life and follow Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that for the first time or for the first time and meant it, we would love to stay connected with you. If you could text Zoe Save to the, uh, to the number on your screen, we want to talk with you. We want to connect with other believers who are right where you are, other people who are walking this life. And we just want to encourage you and, and, and give you some materials that will help you to be encouraged as you draw closer to Jesus. And for everyone else, it's been a pleasure being with you this Sunday virtually. And we trust that God is with us, um, that we have hope to look forward to uh, moving into the next year. Uh, but be blessed on this Sunday. Let the joy of the Lord fill your heart. And we'll see you next Sunday.